Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are folks talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today for the first time on the show by Land Grant Holy Land's resident hoops expert, Thomas Costello. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) It's going great. Um, I'm so happy to have you on. Uh, We haven't actually had a chance to discuss women's basketball yet this year or basketball at all on the show, given what's happened with Ohio State football. But honestly, I don't think any of us want to talk about Ohio State football this week. (laughs) I I think even um, anytime anyone talks about Ohio State (laughs) this week and probably going into the next couple weeks, it's a... even if it's not football related, it goes back to football at some point. I was interviewing, and I'll probably talk about this later, I was interviewing a former Ohio State women's basketball player, and now she works at Louisville. She's worked there for 17 years. She's from Louisville. And even she brought up the Ohio State-Michigan game. So uh, it's, it, it penetrates everything that we, we talk about when it comes to sports. Yeah. Um... I mean, full disclosure, we were talking about it in the pre-show. I didn't even end up watching the second half. My husband brought up our Christmas decorations and um, we I angrily put up the tree and dusted the shelves and put out the nutcrackers. <laughs> well, also, if it makes you feel any better, it doesn't look like Ohio State watched the second half either. So um, <laughs> right there with you. Fair point. Fair point. Um, but, you know. It wasn't all bad. We obviously had Thanksgiving last week. Did you have a nice Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was it was good. I I made the dumb decision of signing up for one of those turkey trots for the morning of Thanksgiving. So I walked a four mile walk with my sister and my brother in law. So the company was great, but I um, I'm right in the balance of I used to run a lot and I haven't run in a long time. This was the moment where I was like, hey. I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> I'm not prepared <laughs> to do this. Uh, but it was it was fun. I, I, I did a lot of driving just because um, my family's from up in Northeast Ohio. So I was I drove a couple hours there and back on Thursday. And then Friday, I went back to my sister's and we had a Thanksgiving there. And so we had a, we had a couple of them. It was cool. We got to watch um, a lot of like Christmas movies. And that's one thing now I'm trying to do with my kids is get them caught up on all the Christmas movies. So every weekend we're watching at least like two or three. And so over Thanksgiving, uh, we were doing that too. Plus Ohio state played on Sunday. Um, if you want to call it that, uh, basketball wise, because they were finishing up a stretch of three very, very lopsided wins against some pretty small teams. So it was, it was overall good. How was yours? It was really nice. Uh, honestly, it sounds like it mirrored yours. So I also did a Turkey trot, to kick off Thanksgiving Day. Um, It was very fun. So we were in Iowa with my husband's family. Um, 
And his best friend from high school and his wife signed up with us as a family of four for the turkey trot Um, because there's like a family of four discount or whatever. So it was really nice. We did the turkey trot in Des Moines last year as well, and it was 10 degrees and zero degrees with the wind chill. Um, And this year it was like 40 degrees uh, and no wind. So all in all, we were like, this is the best thing ever Um, at the end. (laughs) Uh, the like instead of a medal, they gave everyone like a mug, and then you could go get hot cocoa with marshmallows, and they had little like skewers of donut holes. Um, so I, I'm sorry, it sounds like I enjoyed my turkey trout more than you did. Um, <laughs> well, they, they gave us wine at the end. We well, got bottles fun. of wine, which was great. But then I took it to my in-laws' house, and they broke the cork in it. I thought it was going to be cheap, like a twist top wine. I was like, a twist top is going to be perfect because then I can travel with it. Broke the cork, so I couldn't even bring it home. So I drank like a little bit of it. And now, to be fair, they were giving this wine out to thousands of people, so it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like a wine cellar wine. I think it was about ten bucks at your local grocery store, but still, it's the thought of you know. I wanted to complete it because I completed the walk, so I should also complete the the prize at the end. Two kinds of marathons heard. Um, well, speaking of marathons and speaking of the movies you watch, I'm so curious to hear what you're getting your kids caught up on. Uh, my husband and I created a calendar for December 1 through December 25th of all the movies that we have to watch. So last night was The Muppets Christmas Carol, which is one of my absolute favorites, and I ball every time. Um, oh, Tiny Tim, he just gets me. Especially oh, when it's like a little Kermit. Anyway. Everyone. Such a cute little frog. We don't have a calendar. That's legit. Like, and all the movies are placed like what nights you're going to watch what movies. Yeah. Because there's some oh, that wow. I need to repeat like throughout the season. So like Home Alone and Home Alone 2 mm-hmm. were the first two we watched because I'm like, I'm going to be watching these seven or eight times in yeah. the next three weeks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just curious. What have you been watching with your kids? Ours is not nearly as planned. I really enjoy that planning that you have and having a calendar and sticking to it. Ours is always kind of last minute. Hey, do you want to watch a movie tonight? And I, I used to be, and this is pre pandemic. I used to be pretty big marking dates on the calendar saying, Oh, you can't watch Christmas movies until this date, or you can't decorate until this date. The pandemic, it just made me, my whole brain was like, I don't care anymore. Just do whatever you want. (laughs) So we started watching Christmas movies Gosh, like a week before Thanksgiving. Um, I think the first one we watched was Spirited with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. That's a good one. It's okay. on Apple Plus. It was it was so good. It's it's a musical. Oh, but sorry, it's, Luna. It, it's so good. It's I thought that was like an excited sound that you made. Uh, oh it, no, it that is, was a cat. Oh, I thought it was you like squealing in excitement. Um no, it was <laughs> it, it's I I we're not on video, so we're we're painting an audio picture. Um, Spirited was really good. We uh, watched Christmas Story. We watched Home Alone. We watched the second Christmas Story, which is also not bad. It's like they had a sequel to Christmas Story back when, but I've never seen it. I've never heard a good thing about it. This was like uh, I saw a friend of mine describe it as the spiritual sequel of the original Christmas Story. It has a lot of the same cast. It's takes place what 30 years later that was really good um we did the home alone too we're gonna watch that i fit in planes trains and automobiles on the night before thanksgiving just because there are not many thanksgiving movies so we did that um and i think we also watched scrooged muppet christmas carol though that's one we've never watched with our kids i need to i need to get that it's uh very quality disney plus everyone because disney owns the muppets now um, well, very cool. Well, enjoy. Home Alone 2 is actually my personal favorite, so I'm really excited to hear what your kids think about that. Um, really? Huh. We it, watched that one last year. I Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Like, why do you oh, like no. that? Like, do you like it better than the original Home Alone? I do. I don't know. I, I always just think it's very cool. Like New York at Christmas. It's just kind mm-hmm. of very fun. Um, although, admittedly, so as listeners of the show know, I'm in Chicago and the Home Alone house is in Chicago and like all of the exterior shots are, um, you know, in the region as well. Um, So it's fun to like, since I moved here, it's been more fun to be a Home Alone 1 fan. 
It's really brave of John Hughes to move it out of Chicago, though. That, I know that was probably a tough decision for him back on Home Alone 2. So uh, good for him for uh, expanding his horizons outside of the Chicagoland area. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, the Plaza Hotel. Yeah. It's uh, pretty iconic at, at the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So, Thomas, again, thanks for indulging us with some Christmas movie talk. But you're here to talk about women's basketball. Um, Ohio State has truly had a phenomenal start to the season. I know you're going to get to that. You mentioned three kind of lopsided wins um, in recent weeks, but Ohio State has had some truly phenomenal wins before that. Uh, Before we jump into Ohio State specifically, though, I did want to get your thoughts on what the heck happened at the Las Vegas Invitational last week. Yeah, that was... That was a mess. So uh, for folks who are listening, if, if maybe you, you haven't seen it, a photo floated around of uh, a game that uh, Indiana Hoosiers were at. One of their radio broadcasters was at the event, and it was at the Mirage Hotel. We were just talking about the plaza. So we're talking about another famous hotel, the Mirage, and you think, oh, this is going to be some pretty you know, epic setup. It was in a ballroom with chairs surrounding a court. And they had a uh, they had a scores table. They had benches. The scoreboard was probably the size of like a double window, and it was maybe three feet off the ground. Um, they were playing on a regulation size court and all that. But afterwards, uh, Terry Morin, who's the coach of Indiana Hoosiers women's basketball, she was very upfront about, "Hey, what we were promised by the organizers is not what we got. They were promised something more like." Remember back to the the bubble and the wobble for the NBA and WNBA. They had a like a virtual background and they had like a big mm-hmm. display and all that. That's what they were kind of promised. And all you could see was it was obviously like they were inside a convention center. Uh, and these players are used to it. After the game on Sunday, actually, uh, Cody McMahon, she's a freshman with Ohio State, uh, freshman forward. Kids who've played basketball and travel basketball are used to that. Like they're used to playing in convention centers. and But that's for travel. That's for high school age kids, middle school age kids. This is the Indiana Hoosiers of, of the Big Ten. This was Auburn of the SEC. These are big teams and they were playing in a ballroom. So that was already bad enough. And then the worst part of it is that Auburn player got injured in one of the games and it took 40 minutes for emts to get there they did not have any medical staff except for the training staff for the team they did not have medical emt like folks which most everybody here has gone to a sporting event every arena every stadium has some sort of emt on on hand just for worst case scenarios and an auburn player it took 40 minutes for emts to get there and when player safety is being inhibited all the other stuff like okay the background's not there they're playing in a ballroom it doesn't look good for visuals you can't sell a lot of tickets because they had two rows of folding chairs but the the player safety issue is not great um, the organizer also has a pretty rough history um, for folks I, I would say go online and you can look up bryce mckee's history i i posted a thread that i saw about it um I think it was Sunday or yeah, Saturday or Sunday, but the whole thing kind of reeks of, okay, how can I make money from the NCAA? How can I, and these invitational tournaments, this is kind of one where unfortunately you saw behind the the curtain, right? And we saw that maybe the organizing isn't always that great. Maybe the planning isn't that fantastic for some of these. And unfortunately Ohio state plays in an invitational in December run by the same organization. Ugh. Now, fortunately, I, I asked Coach McGuff about it on uh, yesterday, on Tuesday, um, after or for media availability before the Louisville game. And they're playing in an arena this time. So they're not playing in a hotel ballroom. It is an actual arena in San Diego, California. But um, he said that they don't have any concerns. They do their due diligence beforehand, which Indiana also did. But it's... Just hoping that once they get there, what they're promised is actually there. I also asked him if the organizers reached out to Ohio State 
to ensure them that especially the player safety part is taken care of. And he said, uh, it sounds like they didn't from his response, but he kind of went just to, Hey, we always, we always look into these we always make sure that it's safe for the players and all that. And it's going to be a well-run tournament. Um, so I, Take from that what you will, but I'll be interested to see what happens December 20th when they head over to San Diego. Yeah. A lot of thoughts here. I mean, you're. I know. I threw a lot at you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, for starters, you're absolutely right. The player safety piece, like, that's honestly what the focus should be because that is unacceptable. And when you're delaying medical care for 40 minutes for someone, like, that can cause lasting damage. Um, so that's one piece. And then the other piece, obviously, this organization. I mean, when I first saw the video, it looked like a middle school game, like you said. Like you're used to traveling in those games when you're younger. Like I played in ballrooms, you know, different sports and stuff when I was 10. Um, but this is supposed to be an NCAA event, right? Um, yeah. And to your point, like Obviously, there's there's times where things don't go as planned. Do you remember a few years ago when Michigan State played on the aircraft carrier and the deck was wet and mm. like everyone was slipping and sliding and it just didn't go well? Um, and in retrospect, like they still play games on aircraft carriers. It's just a different format because they learn from their mistakes. Like everyone should have known that if you set up a tournament in a ballroom and have two rows of seats, it's going to not be a good experience. And additionally, given what happened with the NCAA women's tournament in recent years, you'd think that organizers would have stepped back and taken another look and said, is this really the perception that we want to give of women's basketball in 2022? And everybody went back to that 2021 tournament where I I think it was an Oregon player. Yeah, an Oregon player shared the video from the, the dumbbells on the floor that sort of thing. And it really pushed and the yoga mats, doing, of course, right? Cause that's all course, that women right. do to work out. Yeah. Only, only women do yoga. Um, and it was, it, it, it brought a lot of people back to that and it felt like another, well, why, uh, like, why is it always women's basketball? Why is it always these players who are getting <clears throat> this sort of treatment? And even the organizers, like the, the main organizer wasn't at the tournament. He was in Daytona beach for another tournament. They had at the exact same time as the Las Vegas one and their response also for why it was the way it was, it was like, Oh, it, by the time we found out it was too late to do anything about it. So they just kind of gave a shrug emoji. They're like, eh, go ahead and play. We have TV deals. <laughs> go ahead and play the games anyway. And it, it, it ended up becoming an unfortunate, you know, black eye for, for the sport. And it just, the worst part of it, and maybe not the worst part, I'm not going to give, folks online who like to troll sports uh, any kind of like worst or uh, title like that but it, it just gives fuel to the fire for folks who already say oh well no one watches this no one cares about this and that's that's untrue and i think that's just a, a sad like byproduct of it yeah well i mean on that note uh we're going to talk about iowa yukon in a minute but they played in portland in what looked like a really phenomenal environment. Um, and that was a really exciting game to watch. Uh, admittedly, like I, I don't consider myself a troll, but I probably also would have turned off a game if I turned it on and it was in a ballroom. Um, yeah, but you know, we like sat down, my husband's from, as I mentioned, from Iowa, Iowa fans. So we were watching the Iowa UConn game and it, it looked like kind of a professional event. It looked very similar to the Maui Invitational uh, that we saw the men's team play in last weekend. Um, so it feels like not all of these tournaments are bad, but the bad ones for sure, like you said, give the sport very much a black eye. Yeah. And with the Phil Knight, I think it was a Phil Knight Classic or Phil Knight Invitational, um, it, Nike putting that stuff on, Nike putting it on is a lot different than somebody who seems like they're almost just like a grifter who's trying to make some money off of the NCAA and let's throw a tournament together and, you know, throw as much out there as you can. They're, they're doing five different tournaments this year. And this company just started four years ago by somebody whose resume in basketball was an assistant coach who had to resign for issues off the court. Like that's the experience. It's not a professional, like 
event organizer. It's not Nike level. And it, it just looks like it from that Las Vegas Invitational. Yeah. It's the fire festival of basketball tournaments. <laughs> um, right. It's the fire festival. Good, good comparison. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I do want to talk and we'll talk about the Big Ten collectively a little bit later, uh, but the big game of the weekend, um, especially with Ohio State having a little bit of a lull in their non-conference schedule was UConn, Iowa. Um, UConn obviously took that game minus page backers, but, um, you know, Caitlin Clark still player of the year candidate, player to watch in the Big Ten. Um However, Iowa has been largely displaced by Ohio State this year. So what are your thoughts on kind of this Iowa-Ohio State situation? I wish they played more than one game against each other this season in the regular season. Last year, they only played once, and they played out in Iowa, which was like a track meet. Ohio State ended up winning. They had some really good shooting that night. Caitlin Clark is going to do what Caitlin Clark does. She can hit consistently double double she hit triple doubles i think she broke a record for most triple doubles in a row for any college player men or women's and caitlin clark is going to do what she does but what we're finding this year is that she's getting a lot more physical play against her Um, she's getting a, a challenged a lot more and she's still scoring i mean she scored after hurting her ankle she scored 33 points the next game <laughs> when she was day to day. So she she's superhuman when she's out there playing. But playing that physical style, she's missing more shots this year. Her field goal percentage is down a little bit. And outside of her and outside of Monica Cisnano, the center for Iowa, they can be susceptible to teams that can frustrate them. And we saw it already. They lost to Kansas State. That was an upset because Kansas State was an unranked team at the time. They lost by a, a single point. Bel- uh, Drake took them to overtime um, a couple days before that. Belmont, they finished within 11, but they were even you know, cutting it close. So I think teams are starting to see because last year with Iowa's upset loss, it was a, a Creighton in the NCAA tournament at, at home in Iowa. Teams are starting to get a formula for how they can beat them. I think Ohio State, they're this season, if you have if folks listening haven't watched them yet, they're a team that focuses on high pressure. They want to pressure the other team. Once they're when Ohio State's making baskets, they go into this blistering full court press that's usually run by guard JC Sheldon. JC Sheldon, she's doing so well this year. In four games, she's been out the last two games. Four games, 27 steals in four games. She tied the Ohio State record with 11 steals. The first night of the season, she had eight against Tennessee. um, Or, excuse me, nine. So she is, last year I thought that, okay, J.C. Sheldon's great. And she was a, her and Caitlin Clark were the only two unanimous first team all Big Tens for the media and um, coaches vote. So she's up there. She doesn't get nearly as much of the attention just because of course when you have a Naismith finalist in Caitlin Clark um, you're going to market around that but JC Sheldon whenever she's on the court Ohio State averages 34 forced turnovers a game and they just off the off the jump this year they played against Tennessee who was ranked number five at the time a team that has all SEC first team players They brought over the highest scoring player in the SEC from last season in the transfer portal. They're just a team that's that's stacked. And Ohio State was down double digits into the second quarter. But the third quarter, once their shots started hitting, they forced 29 turnovers on the number five team in the country. And they ended up winning by double digits. Every game this year, actually, they've won by double digits. Now, to be fair, some of that was against some tough teams. Not tough as in competitively tough, but it was tough to watch because of how much better Ohio <laughs> State was than them. Um, they averaged 103 points over the last three games. Uh, that tells you <laughs> the teams they were playing. I, I think That's Ohio insane. State, it, it's, it was crazy. Now they're playing against Wright State, no offense to the in-state team here in Dayton, Ohio, um, North Alabama Lions, and the McNeese State Cowgirls who are from Louisiana, and they seriously took a caravan of minivans 
from Louisiana to Illinois, where they got destroyed by the Illini. <laughs> they went to Bradley University, where they lost there too. And then they went to Ohio State to be um, demolished. It was kind of sad. It, it was one of those moments where when I left and I saw the buses with all Louisiana or the vans with Louisiana license plates, I thought, this is awful. I wish the kids had like at least a bus to yeah. come home in, you know? Maybe they had uh, TVs in the minivans though. Maybe. No, that, maybe. that's a good point. Maybe they, uh, they got, probably got some streaming going on or maybe they're watching. I'm trying to make this better. <laughs> no, it's fine. Terrible. I, I think Ohio State is, is a great team. I was also a great team. The thing with the Tennessee win now, as weeks go on, the win is looking less and less impressive. Tennessee is now four and four. They lost to Indiana by double digits, and that was not um, a game like Ohio State. It wasn't a full press. Indiana, they play their game, and they play it really well. Uh, Tennessee's lost to some um, to a lot of ranked teams this year. And even now, at this point, they've fallen out of the top 25. Even with their talented team, I think it's just chemistry. They're not on the same page. It doesn't seem like they have a leader on the court. Um, but they did finally beat a Big Ten team. They beat Rutgers, um, which I think Tennessee <laughs> right. was like, finally, we beat. And Rutgers has eight eight players on their <laughs> on their roster this year. Um, so that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, I still think Ohio State's good, but Wednesday against Louisville is going to be really important because Louisville's also kind of in a transition. They're bringing in three new starters, but they're playing in Kentucky this time. And then they're going to play against USF, um, the Bulls next month, and also potentially against Oregon or Arkansas. So there's going to be tougher games coming up. I think this last stretch, everyone's like, please play a better team. <laughs> Even though you could see the comments, like, it's great that they won, but do this against another side. Michigan State's coming up um, next week. Michigan Wolverines are coming up on New Year's Eve. I, I think those games, by the end of this calendar year, we'll be able to see if that Tennessee game was Tennessee being bad or Ohio State being really good. But yeah, next year when Iowa comes to Columbus, that should be, um, you need to be pushing that game. That's going to be a, a blockbuster, those two teams going against each other. But I think either one of them, or also Indiana, I think of those three teams, one of those three is going to win the Big Ten. Yeah. Well, we'll certainly have you back in mid-January for that. Uh, circle these dates on your calendar, January 23rd against Iowa and January 26th against Indiana. Um, huge week for Ohio State women's basketball. But Thomas, I want to get more into some of the players that you talked about. We knew that J.C. Sheldon coming into this year was going to be a player to watch. Um, but who has stepped up that you didn't expect to see this season for Ohio State? The um, player that I didn't expect to step up is their forward, Rebecca Mikulashikova. She, last year, she ended up starting all 32 games because uh, they had two forwards transfer out. Aaliyah Patty went to Texas A&M and Dorka uh, Juhas went to UConn. So they'd had two of their starters transfer out of forward. Up until last season, Rebecca Mikulashikova, I think she had one start in two years. She had appearances. Last season... She was pretty inconsistent, and I think even now she would say that just looking back at her performance. Um, she would go like a couple games without scoring any points. She'd hit like a game of maybe like 12 to 15 points, um, and also her minutes. Uh, she was going to the bench quite a bit. This last offseason, and Coach McGuff talked about it, or she talked about it, her teammates talked about it. Once she hit the floor this year, She's just been, she's been crazy. Last year, she averaged 9.4 points a game. This year, she's averaging 17 points a game. She's actually leading the Buckeyes in points. Her minutes have gone up um, drastically. She's playing 30-some minutes a game, unless you're looking at these last three ones where she didn't really have to. They brought in um, depth to try to work them through these kind of uh, cupcake <laughs> games that they had at home. But she's been named to the Big Ten honor roll twice. This year, I kind of thought that her position as a starter was up for grabs. Uh, Ohio State brought in Ebony Walker, who was Gatorade High School Player of the Year for her state. She transferred a couple times, came over from Syracuse. I thought, oh, well, maybe she's here to try to win the spot. 
and Rebecca's locked onto it and held onto it. And I mean, last week, uh, Sunday, she scored 23 points against North Alabama, and that was only in 20 minutes. So she's not not even playing her average like above 30 minutes. She's been fantastic. Her conditioning in the offseason is what she kind of hung her hat on. Uh, she worked so she could play more minutes because last year she was getting gassed. She had to come off a lot. This year she's hitting the shots uh, inside the paint. She's able to make plays and she can also shoot a three, which wreaks havoc on a defense because when you're six foot four forward is shooting threes, um, you can't really leave somebody in the paint or you can't leave her open, you know, so it, it frees up a lot of space for other players. So she's been the MVP, I would say, of the team so far this season. And then another one is uh, Taylor Theory. She's a sophomore from Cleveland. She's five foot ten, but she can jump higher than anybody on the court. Um, she's so athletic. She had seven offensive rebounds the other uh, the other day, and she's starting to score. Last year, she wasn't too confident offensively. She would look to pass instead of trying to attack the basket. And now this year, she's I think averaging around between ten to fifteen points a game, and she's starting to. After last year, she only played maybe a couple minutes getting people a little time for rest or she's playing at the end of non-conference games that were out of hand in 2022 January she started to finally get some more minutes where it looked like coach McGuff was trusting her and she was playing early in the first quarter and she can she's blocking threes from outside the arc from pretty far back she can jump she's the most athletic player on the court and that's what McGuff says anytime we ask about her is she could do stuff that nobody else can do. So the two of them, the focus is on Sheldon and Mike Sell because last year they were really a lot of what OSU had to compete with. But now this year, the team seems more balanced and you have bigger performances from really everybody. So they're they're much better than last year where they even won the you know Big Ten Conference title. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It's a lot of balance. What's interesting to me is that the faces are familiar, but like you said, they stepped up in so many different ways heading into the season. Um, and hopefully they can continue to gel. Um, I'll, I will be excited to see, like you mentioned before, how their physical play matches up against teams like Iowa. It feels like they should have an advantage. And it also feels like maybe some of Ohio State's players have still this kind of unknown factor that unfortunately has not helped Caitlin Clark this season, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, so real quick, we're going to pause and take a breath. Uh, we do have our new favorite segments, dog dogs versus cats coming up at uh, the last regular season edition. Um, and just a couple more thoughts on women's basketball and the college football playoffs. So stay with us. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back. Uh, so, Thomas, we've talked about Iowa. We've talked about Ohio State. We mentioned Indiana in the context of, you know, a really horrendously run tournament in Las Vegas. Um, but I'm just curious of your thoughts in terms of other teams to watch in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think this year is um, it's interesting. Looking around, I, I mentioned either Iowa, Ohio State, or Indiana are probably or what I feel are going to win the term or win the season, the regular season turn. Uh, oh my gosh. I can't talk the regular season conference title. Oh my gosh. The tournament there's is a whole different thing. There's conference titles. Right. <laughs> Everybody, anybody could win a tournament. Anybody could win the big 10 tournament. But I, I think there's a wide field of teams that are going to compete. I think you could have a team that comes out um, and, and surprises people kind of like Ohio state did last year where they came from, okay, they have all these transfers. Who knows what they're going to do to eventually winning the conference? Teams like Maryland, I know Maryland, it's not really much of a 
<laughs> of a dark horse pick, but they lost Angel Reese last year to LSU. They lost Ashley Wusu, who went to Virginia Tech. They're two, arguably their best players last season. They lost them in the transfer portal. And you thought, okay, are there issues at Maryland? Why are their biggest players all leaving for a team that is usually up there as like a perennial Big Ten women's basketball force? But Diamond Miller, she's going to be an MB, a WNBA first round pick. She's and probably going to make a team too, which is saying a lot about um, WNBA draft. Diamond Miller is fantastic. Whenever she's not playing, Maryland does not do well. She had some injury issues early in the season, but when she is playing, they're up there competing. Um, I, I think Maryland could be a, a team right on the outside of those top three that competes. Also, the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, I know they're not a popular team. <laughs> I know. I'm talking about basketball. Okay, we're not going to do football. Still, um, we're still doing that. <laughs> uh, they lost Nas Hillman last year. Uh, she graduated. She was their star forward center, and she just demolished Ohio State twice. They played them last year, and nobody, nobody on Ohio State could top could stop Nas Hillman. She's gone, and we thought, okay, Michigan's going to have a little bit of a slump, but they've come out strong this year. They started the year ranked 25th. And now I think they're the third highest ranked Big Ten team. They've really jumped up. They haven't lost a game this year. I think Michigan could be uh, a team to watch also, maybe in that same like Maryland realm. And then the last one, I I have to preface this. I did go to Penn State. <laughs> but Less boo, the, but still I, boo. Still some boo. <laughs> I think I think Penn State could surprise people this year. They've been uh, up maybe by the time that this recording goes out, they're not undefeated because they're playing the Virginia Cavaliers here in the ACC Big Big Ten Challenge, rest in peace. But they're um, they're undefeated this year, uh, Penn State is. Uh, McKenna Marisa, who's all Big Ten first team, she's kind of been the, the diamond in the rough over there. She's been she's been the Penn State Nittany Lions. Um, she led, she's led them this year to their biggest comeback and the second biggest comeback in Big Ten history biggest one in Penn State uh, basketball, women's basketball history. I think they were down 23, 25 points at halftime, ended up winning by 13 points against Syracuse in a non-ACC Big Ten Challenge game. I think they could be like the Nebraska of last season. Nebraska went 12-0 and to start last year, and they ended up getting hot. And they never got ranked, but they were competing, and they beat Michigan later on in the year, and they – they kind of surprise folks. I think Penn State could surprise folks where last year playing against Penn State was you could write it in probably permanent ink that you were going to beat them. So I think once they start playing bigger teams, maybe they that's the great equalizer and they start losing to better teams. But right now, every challenge they face, they've been able to take it on and win. So I, I think that will be interesting too. I don't see them competing for a conference, but if they have a strong season – Maybe that helps with recruiting. Maybe they're able to get, you know, back into being one of those powers because they were for a while in the Big Ten women's basketball. They were a team to to watch out for, but not so much over the last few years. Yeah, certainly it feels like much more parity within the Big Ten, and right. it's reflective of, frankly, the parity that's been increasing in women's basketball overall in the last few years. It's not just UConn winning title after title. Um, right or South Carolina, or Tennessee, or whoever it is at the moment. Um, but on that note, last time big, last and only time big, the Big Ten won a women's basketball title was Purdue back in 1999. Might this be the year that the Big Ten finally breaks that streak and wins oh, the NCAA that, tournament? That is, that is a great question. I think as long as Aaliyah Boston is at South Carolina, it's going to be a tough hurdle to get over to win an NCAA championship. I think getting to an Elite Eight or a Final Four is a totally realistic um, result for a Big Ten team this year. Uh, Ohio State, they were only a couple points away from moving on to the Elite Eight. They've ta- they faced a tough uh, Texas Longhorns team last year. I think getting maybe some home games for Ohio State early on in the tournament because on the women's side for folks who maybe we're only watch like the men's final four or men's tournament on the women's side, they play in their home arenas for the first two rounds. The, the top, I, I believe it's uh, 16. I want to say, or the top teams from each region 
all play their first two rounds at home. They, Ohio State just missed it last year. They were a six seed. I think every four seed and up gets to host a game. I, I think Ohio State could host a game this year and make a longer tournament run. Honestly, Indiana, if they can stay healthy with Grace Berger or Mackenzie Holmes, the two of them leading the Hoosiers, I don't know how they didn't win it last year, the the Big Ten. I don't know how they didn't get far further in the tournament last year. They're such a great team. They have great leadership. It's just they get unlucky. They have an injury here last year as Mackenzie Holmes. This year now, Grace Berger's day-to-day, their point guard. I, I feel like Indiana should do it, but nothing in recent history tells me that they're going to do it. Iowa, if they can get over Caitlin Clark's getting that physical play, if other players outside of Caitlin and Monica can step up and help that team, Iowa could also compete. I, I think there are legitimate teams who could contend this year. Maybe not win the whole thing, but I would be I wouldn't be surprised if a Big Ten team got into the final four this year. Yeah. And, you know, the Big Ten had a strong showing in last year's tournament. I think it was the most Big Ten teams ever who made the field, um, Mm -hmm. which was very exciting to see. Uh, So, you know, baby steps, but maybe (laughs) maybe one big step and maybe maybe a title run. Maybe. Um, Well, thank you, Thomas, for sharing uh, your thoughts on Ohio State women's basketball. Uh, We are, full disclosure, recording this on Wednesday before Ohio State's ACC Big Ten Challenge matchup with Louisville tonight. Um, So hopefully by the time you listen to this, Ohio State has a win over Louisville. Um, But moving on to some football things. So with the end of the regular season, uh, we have – unfortunately come to the last edition of dogs versus cats for this year. Um, So just as a reminder, we went through all of the mascots in the FBS and put them into team dog and team cat. Uh, We've got 20 team cat, 13 team dog. Um, And this week, weirdly, uh, UConn didn't play. Their last game was against army November 19th. Um, So we did have one bye on team dog. Um, So, Team Dog uh, went seven and five overall this week, uh, so wrapped up the regular season with a winning record. Um, Team Cat uh, was not super impressive. Uh, they also took a they did take a step back from last week. Uh, they went nine and eleven overall, um, and they also went zero and two in their cross species matchup. So Team Dog t- took both of those games. Um, Texas A and M and Reveille had a shocking win over number five LSU. Um, And then the Washington Huskies beat the Washington State Cougars in rivalry week. Um, And then the other one that I wanted to point out uh, was NC State's massive win over UNC for Team Dog. Um, So lots of surprises to wrap up. Uh, But it looks like Team Dog. Penn State helped for the Cats. If you're Team Cat out there, they helped. I mean – uh, if there was like a cats versus Spartans, that would have been. <laughs> yeah, that's you're you don't have many Spartans out, but you could do like some sort of the Greco Roman warriors. Yeah, yeah like the Romans and the Spartans. Yeah, I like that. I like that. We're getting maybe maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Um, well, what Tia pointed out last week was that folks really just aren't creative when it comes to naming mascots, so we end <laughs> up with a lot of wolves, wolf packs. Huskies, um, and then a lot of tigers and wildcats. So, but only one Nittany Lion. Not everyone's brave enough to use a nut. Not everyone's brave enough to use a nut as their nope. mascot. So, um. not even, we, we talked about this last week too, not even a lot of botanical mascots. So, we've got the Stanford Cardinal, which is technically the color, but their mascot's a tree. And then I believe it was Delta State of the FCS that's the fighting okra. Um, so got to get more more plant-based mascots out there, folks. Um, but r- wrapping uh, things up for this week, uh, the college football playoff rankings came out Tuesday evening. Obviously, Ohio State fell out of the top four. What did we expect when they lost to Michigan? Uh, but the Buckeyes only fell to number five behind Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. Um, so – Thomas, what are your thoughts for what's going to happen this championship weekend and who's ultimately going to make that final playoff field? I 
I Purdue's not going to beat Michigan. I'm sorry. I, I, I watched Purdue. Of course, this year they're not. There's no way. Against Penn State, um, Penn State ended up getting a final drive with, of all people, Sean Clifford leading the final drive, going back and beating the Boilermakers. Um, Purdue is just kind of in that Penn State class of the Big Ten. There are two teams at the top, and then they're just that small gaggle underneath the two teams. I don't think Purdue can win one for the gaggle against Michigan. So I think Michigan's going to be in it. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) I think it's down to USC or TCU. One of those teams has to be upset. I I think maybe – I can't say USC. They play too late for me to know anything about them. So I don't want to make up something about them. A TCU might be the – logical pick for an upset um, in the big 12 championship. I think that's the only way Ohio state can get in. If all three of those teams win, how can you, what's the argument, you know, outside of beating Notre Dame, that's great. But what's the argument for Ohio state to get them over them? So I, I'm going to unfortunately play the odds (laughs) that those teams are all going to win. And it's going to be USC TCU, that other team in Georgia. In the, yeah. in the playoff i'm so sorry i i want the 12 team playoff just as much as the next person it's coming it's coming um unfortunately thomas i feel like i was extremely wrong last week last week i said lsu would win the sec title <laughs> lol i mean they still <laughs> they still could but they're not making the playoff probably um with three losses anyway the I agree. It feels like it would be challenging to displace TCU or USC, even if they were upset, Um, especially for USC. If they did get upset, they would have two losses to Utah. um, And and that would be with a bonus game that Ohio State obviously doesn't get to play. TCU, similarly, one loss in a bonus game compared to Ohio State, one loss in the regular season. it just it gets tough, and uh, I was talking with some folks last night, and it feels like ultimately it's going to come down to we can't see the grades and the actual like dif- distance between the number four and the number five spot if Ohio State is narrowly at the number five spot or like there's a wide gap. Um, if it's narrow, it feels like a loss at the three or four might move Ohio State in, but if it's wider, like it still feels like there might not be much displacement. So feels like the top four might just remain the top four. You um, need Michigan to destroy Purdue. I think if Georgia and Michigan can separate themselves, make them the one and two, that's fine. Let Michigan walk all over Purdue. Because if it's a close game, then it's like, man, Ohio State lost a <laughs> lost really bad to a team that had a close game against Purdue. You need Michigan to just destroy the Boilermakers. Yeah, and that kind I, of, I think that makes that Ohio State loss look not as bad if Michigan repeats it and does even even better. You know, I know I no one's gonna like hearing that. That's just my opinion. But I write about basketball, and I went to Penn State. <laughs> so what do I know about football? Apologies to the Purdue fan who commented on one of my columns this week that he came in peace and just wanted to know if he had a prayer against Michigan. <laughs> no. uh, no, sorry. Um, anyway, uh, on that unhappy note, before we wrap up the show, let's bring things up a little bit. Uh, Thomas, do you have a shout out for this week? Yeah, I want to shout out Adrian Johnson. She is an assistant athletic director and now this year an assistant coach at the University of Louisville, the Cardinals women's basketball team. I know that sounds crazy because Ohio State is playing Louisville. But Adrian Johnson is was born in Louisville, lived in Louisville, but she played basketball at Ohio State. She played with uh, Katie Smith back in the started in the 92 93 season, made it to the final four, actually the championship game where they lost to Cheryl Swoops and Texas Tech. Um, that's the furthest Ohio State's gone, actually. Uh, when Adrian Johnson was on the team, I was fortunate enough to interview her this week just about her kind of career living in Louisville, re- growing up in Louisville, and now coaching there. She's been with the school for 17 years. She was the first Buckeye to score points in the WNBA. Uh, she was in the original inaugural WNBA season. She her story is fantastic. She's not grabbing you know basketball headlines like Katie Smith did or Kelsey Mitchell does in the WNBA now, but 
she was the foundation of it and the work she put into it. She had to work harder than most folks because she wasn't an all American. She wasn't, you know, first team, all big 10. Um, but she had a really strong career at Ohio state, eight years in the WNBA and just her philosophy. Uh, she talks so much about like the work that she put into it, but whenever you ask her what players have to do to get into the WNBA, the answer wasn't even about hard work. She was like, that's great, but something that's even more important than that. And it goes to off the court. Uh, she talks about relationships she builds with players. It, it was a fantastic interview on uh, Tuesday afternoon. A podcast came out, the full interview I did with her. And then there's a companion article on Land Grant. It was one of those stories that in the summer when there was no college basketball, I was watching the WNBA and I was looking up Ohio State history and I, I didn't see her name out there as, you know, people weren't talking about her career. That was really fantastic, especially at a time when players didn't have the opportunity to become a professional athlete. They didn't have the opportunity after college basketball. Their games were barely even televised in the women's side. It, it, it was a really fantastic interview. It was one of those where I came away from it with like so much life just listening to her talk that I, I was up for like four hours that night writing the article. I was like, I just... I interviewed her at seven that night. I think I went to bed like midnight after writing the article, transcribing parts of it. And I just, I, I wanted to get her story out, um, especially before the game uh, on in Louisville on Wednesday. So that was uh, nothing I've written saying that that's great. I'm saying her story is great and that's why you should give it a read. That's on Lane Grant now. If you click on the uh, Ohio State Women's Basketball section, it's right underneath the podcast block in the middle. There's an OSU women's basketball section. It's in there. It's one of the first couple stories. Nice. Well, everyone, please go check that out. It sounds amazing. Um, my shout out is a little outdated. However, belated shout out to REI. Um, for those of you who don't know, since 2015, REI has been encouraging folks to opt outside um, on Black Friday instead of going shopping on Black Friday. Um, and this year, they've like made it official and have said that they will always close their stores on Black Friday, um, not host can sales, not encourage kind of general consumerism and encourage people to enjoy the outdoors because at least in the Midwest, Black Friday usually falls on a really amazing fall day. So enjoy it. Down with capitalism. Okay, Down. sorry. I, know. I, 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 went, I went too I, I far. I went too far. <laughs> But down with this yeah. excess consumerism. I don't know about you. I like was extremely overwhelmed in the last few days between Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And it was really refreshing to finally get to Giving Tuesday yesterday and see some of the amazing works that like nonprofits are doing in our communities. But um, definitely was just feeling inundated with all of the emails and stuff and glad to be past that. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Thomas at one Thomas Costello, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks.